1: and share him with others. Our pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with his
2: message for us today. This is without question the most famous prayer that has ever been uttered in the history of our world. This prayer, the Lord's Prayer, is famous not simply because it's recorded for us, in Matthew 6 and Luke chapter 11. It's famous not just because Jesus was the one who spoke these words. It's not famous merely because Christians have been reciting this prayer for the last 2,000 years. It's famous because of its perfection, because of its simplicity, because of its beauty, and because of its power we want to read it in fact i want you to read it uh, with me now there's several different translations i preach out of the new international version i want as a church i want us to say this prayer uh, together our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now I want you to notice that there's nothing in this prayer about posture because when Jesus taught on prayer, he didn't mention posture because any posture will do. In the Bible, we have record of people praying while they were standing up. We have record of people praying when they were sitting down. We have record of people praying while they were lying down. We have record of people praying with hands lifted up. Some people prayed with their hands down. Some people prayed with their head up. Some people prayed with their head down. Some people prayed with their eyes open. And some people prayed with their eyes closed. Some people prayed while they were beating their chest. Some people prayed while they were facing the temple There's nothing in this prayer about posture. There's nothing in this prayer about the place of prayer, because any place will do. We know that some people in the Bible prayed while they were in battle. Some people prayed while they were inside of a cave. Some people pray in a closet. Some people prayed in a garden. Some people prayed on a mountainside. People prayed by a river. People prayed by the sea. People prayed in the street. People prayed in God's house, and some people even pray when they're in hell. How many of you know there are people in hell that are praying? They are. Timothy said, let men pray everywhere. Jonah prayed inside of a fish. Paul prayed while he was in prison. Jesus prayed when he was hanging on a cross. Any place will do. And there's nothing about the time of prayer. Some people prayed in the Bible. They prayed in the morning. They prayed at night. Some people prayed three times a day. Some people prayed in the evening. Some people prayed before meal. Some people prayed after the meal. They prayed at bedtime. Someone prayed at midnight. Someone prayed day and night. They prayed often. They prayed when they were young. They prayed when they were old. They prayed every day. Some people prayed always. And there's nothing about circumstances because any and all circumstances will do. So anyone can pray, any posture will do, any time will work, any place is acceptable, any circumstance is justified, and any attire is welcome, but prayer should be a way of life for each and every one of us. And if you are willing, then God is able to teach you if you'll listen. Now in your notes, a couple of quick things. First of all, prayer is a learned exercise. And I want to say to you, if you're not very good at praying, if your prayers seem disjointed, if you don't know how to pray, you just need to practice. It's a learned exercise. It's just like learning a foreign language or learning how to play the piano or learning how to surf. If you don't know these things, if you don't know how to pray, just start practicing. Just practice over and over and over again, and you would become a good prayer person. Number two, write this down this prayer the lord's prayer was never meant for us to just recite that's not why he gave it and that's what we do with it but that was not his intent this prayer was set up to be a model a step-by-step process that you will learn how to pray if you actually study this prayer man if i had a nickel for every time this prayer has ever been recited throughout the last two thousand years around the world i'd be a wealthy man today but it was never meant just to be recited. In fact, I think we have done this prayer a discredit by just reciting it and not studying it. Now, I want to say something. I'm not being critical, all right? I'm going I'm to tell you that right up front. I'm not criticizing. But the most often heard request that I hear, here's the number one question. Pastor, would you pray for me? I can't even walk outside without someone stopping me and saying, "Will you pray for me. And I don't mind praying for you. I do pray for you. I like praying for you. But my concern is there's a belief that if I can just get the pastor to pray with me, that somehow God's going to listen to my prayer a little bit better because the pastor's prayers matter more than my prayer. And the reality is your prayers are equally as valid as my prayers. you got to understand that. If you studied and understood and you learned how to pray, you'd know how to pray yourself for any issue, and I would be coming to you asking you to pray for me. When you picked me up when I was hitchhiking, I'd say, would you pray for me? <laughs> Number three, write this down. This prayer, more than you know, is it's deeper than you can even imagine, There's more to the nuances and the steps and the methodology of prayer in this text than you will ever possibly imagine. But until you study it, you will never understand the depth of it. Now, I'm going to just give you one example. And when you see the words, our father, there's something in there talking about a father-child relationship, which we'll get into. The phrase, hallowed be your name, speaks to the fact that he is deity, that he is God, and that we are all worshipers of this God. Your kingdom come speaks to the fact that God has a kingdom and that he is sovereign and we are his subjects belonging to his kingdom. Your will be done speaks to the truth that he is Lord, that he is master. And our job here on this earth is to do his will. Give us our daily bread, speaks of the truth, that he is the benefactor, he is the giver, the provider of all things, and we are the ones that benefit uh, from his gifts. Forgive us of our debts, speaks of the truth, that he's a savior, and that he's the one who can save us from our sins. We're all sinners, and there's only one savior, there's only one who can do away with our sins, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ and lead us not not into temptation speaks to the fact that he's the shepherd and we're his flock we're his sheep and the shepherd would never lead a sheep his flock any place that is not in your best (laughs) interest. so today the first four words our father in where heaven Heaven. our father in what i want to look at those four words here's the first thing write this down god wants to be called father that's what he wants now when jesus uh, began to explain to the disciples how to pray he could have he did not but he could have said hey guys when you pray start out your prayer by saying these words our lord and our master he could have said that but that's not what he said He could have said, all right, guys, I'm going to teach you how to pray. Everybody sit up, take some notes. All right. When you pray, here's the first thing you say, oh, hell, King Jesus. He could have said that. That's not what he said. He said, all right, guys, everybody listen up. When you pray, whenever you pray, I don't care when you pray, here's what you do. You begin out by saying these words, our father in heaven. Write this down in your notes what he's saying by saying our father instead of our Lord or our master, our ruler, he desires to have a relationship with you and his desire is for you to somehow grasp the intimacy that you are able to have with God. I do not want you to think of God, he's not supposed to be approached as someone who is a million miles away, that he is a distant deity but whenever you think of God this is Jesus now Jesus is telling his disciples whenever you think of God I want you to think of him as a loving father so when Jesus says how to pray he says here's how you pray our father he's letting the Jewish listeners know that the God of this universe desires to have a personal intimate relationship with you in fact he uses the word in Aramaic, the word Abba. When you pray, you say Abba. I want you to write this down. That word means that." Abba, Abba, Papa, Abba, Papa, Abba, that. That's what that word means. This exploded the traditional Jewish view of God. Jesus is giving us Permission to call God Dad. In fact, in Mark 14, later on, right before he goes to the cross, he actually uses the word again. In Mark 14, he goes Abba, Papa, Dad, Everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not my will, but thy will be done. How can Jesus call his heavenly father that, that? Because he is his father. And they had an intimate relationship. And I want you to see that God in the heavens is the God of this universe. In fact, the Bible says that God holds in the palm of his hand... The entire universe just sits in the palm of his hand. And this God, this almighty God, he also wants to be known as your heavenly father. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to be his son. He wants you to be his daughter. He wants you to be a part of his family. And so my question to you is this. Do you know God well enough to call him Daddy? Stay with me. He desires, this God of the universe, he desires to have a healthy, genuine relationship with you. Now, now don't, don't get stuck on point one. He doesn't just want to be called Dad for the sake of being called Dad. He wants to have a genuine, healthy, functional relationship with you. And the truth is, there are many of us in this room, we have dysfunctional relationships with our earthly dads. And there's many reasons why our homes are dysfunctional. That's a whole nother sermon. But many, if not most of us here today, come from broken families. And that for some of you, when I stand up here and talk about the fatherhood of God, if you're here today and you had an abusive father... Or if you had an inconsistent father or a domineering father or an absent father, what happens is that we subconsciously can view our heavenly father in the same light that we view our earthly fathers. And there are many people, I've heard it many times, not a few, there are many times where I've heard, if God is anything like my earthly father, then I don't want to have anything to do with God. I want you to know that it was God's plan. It was God's hope. It was God's intention in the beginning that you had a godly father and that you had a godly mother as earthly parents. That was his intention. That was his original plan, but we live in a broken world and that's part of the reason why Satan attacks our homes. It's why Satan attacks our marriages. It's why Satan attacks families because he does not want the child to have a godly father and a godly mother. And you know, one—if you're here today and you're a mom or you're a dad—you need to be a godly parent, an example for your children. I mean, above all else, you say, "Well, I, 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 I haven't lived for Christ." Well, you can start today. You can start today. You can change everything just start living today and setting a, a godly example for your children if you're a mom or dad set a godly example for your children that's what god intended but if you're here today and you did not have that godly example do not let the fact that your earthly father your earthly parents set a bad example for you deter you from having a healthy genuine relationship with your heavenly father because the things that you had hoped your earthly father had provided for you and didn't provide for you, I want you to know that your heavenly father will provide for you. Do not give up on God being that perfect father because God is a perfect father. Your heavenly father... Our Father in heaven, your heavenly Father, will never let you down. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He's the perfect Father. And in the fatherhood of God, I just want to say this quickly. He desires to have this genuine, healthy relationship with you. That's what he wants. Now, in your notes, you can write this down as a heavenly father he gives you spiritual i've just circled the word spiritual you know your earthly parents gave you physical life but god wants to give you spiritual life secondly god will pour out his love some of you don't feel loved by your parents i want you to know that god in heaven your heavenly father is perfect love god is love the bible says and god your heavenly father will love you unconditionally number three our heavenly father he provides the bible says that there's never been a son or a child of god whose needs have ever gone unmet the psalmist said once i was young now i'm old not once have i ever seen the righteous forsaken by god god our heavenly father will provide now number four you might not like this but write this down he will discipline you he will discipline you and it will be right and it will be fair And it will be measured, but because of his love, God will discipline us as his children when we go astray. Number five, he will set a perfect example for you at all times. And number six, your heavenly Father will protect you in all circumstances. And how many of you know that you need to have a father like that? Amen? Now, number three, stay with me. Jesus is calling us to be a part of his family. You might not see that if you read this prayer, but Jesus is calling us to be a part of his family. I want to go back to this phrase, our father in heaven. When you pray, when you pray, Say the word hour. I want you to say that word hour. And again, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And I want you to write this down before I explain this to you. There are two families in this world. There's the family of God and then there's the family of the world. And those of you that are here right now, you belong to one of those two families. You either right now are living in the world and you're not a part of God's family or You are a part of God's family. You're living in the world, but you're not of this world. You you are in God's family. You're one or the other. All right? Now, there's a doctrine, and you need to put your thinking cap on, called the doctrine of universalism. And the doctrine of universalism are those who say, well, we're all God's children. You ever heard that? We're all God's children. Why can't we get along? Well, We're all God's children in the fact that he created us. Yes, that's true. But we're not all part of God's family spiritually and eternally. Because there's two, there's two families. Our father in, in heaven, that's God's family. But if you live in this world and you're living for this world and you are wrapped up in this world and God is not your heavenly father, then you do not belong to the family of God spiritually and eternally. So Jesus is talking and just stay with me. He looks at his disciples. He's going to teach them how to pray. And they're listening. And he says, when you pray, You start out your prayer by saying our Abba in heaven. So they're over here. They're listening. And Jesus says, when you pray, you say our. What Jesus is saying is that when you pray as a disciple and you take that prayer to Abba, God, he's saying, you include me. Together it God is our Father. Jesus is telling the disciples, I already have a relationship with God. God is my Abba. God is my Papa. God is my Dada. But when you pray, you say our. Jesus is telling the disciples, as God is my Abba, God can be your Abba too. Our. Jesus. And you. I want you to write this down the relationship that once just belonged to Jesus his ability to call his heavenly father Abba is now available to all of us when you come to God with your prayers and you say our Abba you're saying this me and Jesus, we got some things we'd like to give to you, like to ask you for. So it's just not you going alone all by yourself. It's you and Jesus. Look at these words in John fourteen six. We use this for salvation. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come unto the Father except through me that's true not only with salvation that's true in your prayer life when you say me and jesus it moves you to the front of the line in the presence of god it means that through jesus you have access through jesus god is available to you 24 hours a day through jesus you can come to god anywhere at any time for any reason Through Jesus. It doesn't matter if you're at the mall, if you're in your car, if you're at a traffic jam, if you're low in your resources, if you need a shoulder to lean on, if you have a burden that you need to share. It means that you can pray when you're scared. You can pray when you're broken. You can pray when you have a question. You can pray when you have concerns. You can pray when you have doubts. You can pray when you're struggling. You can pray when you're depressed. You can pray when you're happy. And you can pray when you're sad.
3: we live in the most distracted culture in the history of the world. We see about 10,000 messages every day. We even touch our phones about 2,000 times a day. We're literally being overwhelmed with information. That's why there's no better time than right now for Dudley Rutherford's remarkable new book, One Thing, Rediscover a Simpler Faith in Our Complicated World. In this timely book, Pastor Dudley invites you to open your Bible and look closely at seven key passages of scripture you'll find the beautifully uncomplicated phrase, one thing. These scriptures will quiet all the noise that you're hearing and call you back to a simpler faith. Dudley Rutherford has discovered the secret of how to focus our lives on the one thing that matters. What if you could find that simplicity? It's waiting out there. And this is your roadmap to freedom. Contact Lift Up Jesus today and get your copy of One Thing, the book that could finally change everything.